Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You, and today I'm going to talk about the Jewish Feast of Purim. Some say Purim, others say Purim, and it is the, known as the Feast of Esther or the Feast of Lots, and this feast comes from the book of Esther in the Bible, and you probably know the story, uh, Mordecai the Jew who served at the king, king's gate in Persia, uh, King Ahasuerus, this evil man, an Amalekite named Haman or Haman would you know, walk through with his entourage, passing the king's gate every day and required that all the, the king's servants would bow to him. But of course, Mordecai the Jew only bows to God and he would not bow. So Haman set out to annihilate not only Mordecai, but all the Jews in the 127 providences of Persia. And miraculously, there was a choice made by King Ahasuerus that uh, many women were brought before him to choose a new queen. And this Jewish uh, woman named Hadassah, uh, her name in Hebrew, uh, she was chosen. And her Persian name is Esther. And so Haman and Ahasuerus, they wrote a decree uh, soon after Esther became queen and uh, Haman cast lots to determine the day of the genocide against all the Jewish people, which would have effectively wiped out all the Jews in the known world of the time, and uh, cast lots to determine what day they would all be murdered. And that's where we get the Feast of Lots. And uh, so Purim simply means lots. So it's the Feast of Purim or the Feast of Lots. Esther appealed and Mordecai came to her and said, you've been called the kingdom for such a time as this. And Ahasuerus realized that Haman was an evil man. And he allowed Esther and Mordecai to write a decree that would change the original decree and save the Jewish people from annihilation. And on that day that they were set to be murdered, the scriptures say, say the opposite happened. And that's what the Jews proclaim today when they celebrate the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Lots, is whatever is in motion against us as a people, the opposite is going to happen. The Bible says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so you can proclaim that today as well. If, if there has been a decree written against your success or against your becoming who the Lord wants you to be, you can proclaim uh, the opposite is going to happen. Um, and so Monday night in just a few days begins, uh, it's a 24-hour period, uh, the sundown Monday evening is the Feast of Purim. And so we're celebrating that this year. And so in Purim, I would encourage you to declare the opposite is going to happen for me. The Jewish people, it seems like all the feasts, uh, they will say, you know, they tried to kill us. The Lord deliver, delivered us. So let's eat. Let's celebrate. And so Purim is just a wonderful celebration of God's deliverance. And it's interesting, but just yesterday, uh, the issue of uh, the Persian Empire 
was in the news once again. And uh, Iran is modern-day Persia. And you can see so many parallels in our world today. There has been a decree written by the uh, leaders of Iran, and they have decided they want to wipe Israel off the map. They want to destroy Jews worldwide. And uh, just yesterday in the news, it, it, the headline is, uh, Iran, or you might say modern-day Persia, can make enough material for nuclear uh, device in 12 days. And it was a top Pentagon official said uh, just this week that Iran can make nuclear material for device in 12 days if they want to. And last week, the International Atomic Energy Agency said its monitors had detected that Iran now had the capability of enriching uranium uh, to close to 84%. On Tuesday, the IAE, which is the International Atomic Energy Agency, said the capability had actually reached 83.7%, which is on the verge of making weapons-grade uranium. And in response to this question, uh, from Rep Representative Jim Banks, Republican from Indiana, at a House Armed Service Committee hearing on Ukraine, Colin Call, the Pentagon top of policy official, was asked to describe Iran's nuclear progress. And here's what he said. Iran's nuclear progress has been remarkable, he said. Back in 2018, it would have taken Iran about 12 months to produce one bomb's worth of uh, Fizzle material, said Khan, about Iran's so-called breakout time. Now it will take about 12 days. So Iran, when they get that capability uh, and they go nuclear, they have uh, decreed that they will destroy Israel, that they will wipe Israel off the map. And so insanity is no respecter of persons, nations, or terrorist regimes. And those of us still retaining a bit of our senses in a world turned upside down are puzzled why the most powerful nation in the world, back in 2015, we bowed to and surrendered to the nuclear weapons demands of the demented poor souls of the world's most deadly sociopathic and bloodthirsty, in a literal sense, terrorist regime known as Iran. And the Iranian regime has earned the reputation of being the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Nothing to be proud of among civilized human beings, but who's judging? Unfortunately, very few people are judging. And in a surreal twist, all these things, this agreement that we uh, made with Iran back in 2015, we got out of the deal in 2008. 18, but now uh, government officials are saying we want to re-enter the nuclear deal that we made with Iran back in 2015. And it, in a surreal twist, all these things have happened before, every bit of it in another time in reality. And first, I'll give you a bit of history about Purim and the book of Esther in the Bible. It's a story of a jealous anti-Semitic politician who convinces a nation that the Jewish people are worthy of destroying. And this politician named Haman used the strategy of delegitimization and demonization to prove that the Jews were an existential threat to the future of the empire he served in Persia. And again, coincidentally, not really coincidentally, but Persia is modern-day Iran. 
Haman was not a Persian, but rather an Amalekite. And this non-Persian Amalekite made an alliance with the king of Persia to annihilate all the Jewish people. And the Amalekites attacked Israel, you will remember, in the wilderness journey after the exodus from Egypt. And Joshua fought back while Aaron and Hur held up the hands of Moses. And after the Hebrews defeated Amalek, God proclaimed to Moses, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. That's in Exodus seventeen sixteen, And this is proven true. The brooding and hateful power of Amalek. I, I believe uh, the Lord was there saying to Moses, Amalek is not a, um, a human, it's a spirit. And this spirit of Amalek, which is an anti-Semitic spirit, a hatred towards Jews, has always had its Hamans. A person doesn't have to search very deeply in Jewish history to find those inspired by Amalek. And so during the time of Haman's rise to power in Persia, the queen of the empire was this young Jewish woman named Esther. And again, she appealed to King Ahasuerus to save her people. She wrote a decree for the saving of the Jewish people. She stood before the king and said to Mordecai, if I go in unannounced to stand before the king, I could perish, I could, he could put me to death, but if I perish, I perish. She cared more about her people than her own life. And what's interesting is, in this story in the book of Esther, um, it is speaking of, moder- of, um, of uh, Persia, which is modern-day Iran. There's a connection. And what's also interesting is the deals made to annihilate the Jewish people they were made on the very same day, back thousands of years ago in Persia and in 2015 in America. Haman and the king of Persia made a deal on the 13th day of the first month of Nisan on the Jewish calendar, and that's in Esther 3.12. Then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the month, first month of Nisan, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded. The deal gave the Persian people the freedom to annihilate the Jewish people in the Middle East. And what's interesting is when America entered this nuclear deal, what day uh, was it signed? It was made on April 2nd, 2015, which on the Jewish calendar is the 13th day of the first month of Nisan, the very exact day that evil Haman and uh, the king of Persia made the deal to destroy all the Jews. So this deal allows Iran, the one we entered into in um, 2015, to build a nuclear bomb that has a capacity to annihilate the Jews living in Israel. The date this deal was made was the exact date Haman made a deal with the king of Persia. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think there's something really profoundly spiritual and prophetic happening uh, today with this Iranian nuclear deal. And what's also interesting is there were two silver enrichments. Haman made a deal with the king of Persia that included enriching Persian vaults with silver talents amounting to 10,000 silver talents. And what's interesting is America made a deal with the supreme leader of Persia, modern-day Iran, that includes enriching uranium, a silver metal, within 10 years. 
And you really can't make this stuff up. I'm not making this up. It's just so many uh, parallels between um, old Persia and America's relationship with Iran today. Here's another thing that, that took place. When Haman and Ahasuerus made the deal to annihilate all the Jews, uh, they sat down and they drank. And in those days, you would seal a political deal by drinking out of a silver chalice. And this is spooky, but it's true. Uh, in, a, in an article in the Los Angeles Times back in 2013, as America was trying to enter into this deal with Iran, there was a uh, museum artifact that an art dealer had stolen from Iran and brought into America in 2003, and it was in American vault. And so at that time, the American president uh, heard about this drinking chalice. This artifact was a silver griffin-shaped artifact, a silver chalice that uh, politicians would use uh, to seal uh, deals, to seal political deals. And so the then president of the United States gave that silver drinking chalice back to the country of Iran to show that we're very committed to this nuclear deal. The, the chalice was 2,700 years old. Could it have been the same chalice that Ahasuerus and Haman drank out of to seal the deal to annihilate the Jewish people? So very interesting days that we're living in. And we're living in what I would say Esther time, a, a very prophetic time in world history. And so this Purim, which begins on March 6th at sundown, would be a good time for us to say, you know what, the opposite is going to happen. The opposite is going to happen in our lives. Whatever the enemy has meant for evil, God means for good. And the opposite is going to happen for all of these uh, existential threats against the, the tiny nation of Israel. The opposite is going to happen. God has led them back to their own land. I believe they'll never be driven out again. God's protection is over his people. So I'm not in dread about this nuclear deal. I firmly believe the opposite is going to happen. But I'm going to show you as we come back from the break how the book of Esther relates to your life and how this issue of the opposite happening uh, can really take place once again today in your life. So we'll see you on the other side of the break on Israel and You. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. 
One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God has building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and You. And we're talking about the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Lots, which is coming up on March the 6th at sundown. It's a celebration of God's deliverance. My favorite verse in the book of Esther, and you can read this in my book. It's entitled The Decree of Esther. Esther is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And Esther 4.14 is my favorite passage. For if you remain completely silent at this time, this is Mordecai speaking to Esther. If you remain completely silent at this time, enlargement and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And what Mordecai was talking about was God's program of deliverance and enlargement. You see, the Lord is not interested in just delivering you. He's also interested in enlarging your sphere of influence through the trial that you are experiencing. And the book of Esther is a prophetic book for a prophetic time. And we are living in Esther time, a time of great change just prior to a great deliverance. And Scripture defines clearly the times we are approaching. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. That's 2 Timothy 3, 1. So we're living in perilous times. And like Mordecai, we must understand our time. And this is what he said to Esther. Who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That's First Chronicles 12, 32. And so should we. We should understand our time. Mordecai is confident that God will provide a way of escape because Israel's history has proven to him over and over again that God's grace to his people in times of peril always expresses itself in two ways, deliverance and enlargement. And if you look back in your life, times of trial that you've gone through, God delivered you through those trials, but he also expanded your borders. He uh, enlarged your sphere of influence. So I've got good news for you today as we begin this celebration of Purim. God is interested not only in delivering you from destruction, but also enlarging your borders and sphere of influence after the deliverance comes. 
Mordecai has a hidden, uh, this truth deep within his heart. And we can see from Genesis all the way through the Bible that in God's program, deliverance and enlargement go hand in hand. Look at the life of Joseph. He's delivered out of the pit of death and sold as a slave to Potiphar. God expands his influence and he is placed in charge of everything Potiphar owns. Next, he is delivered from the temptation of adultery with Potiphar's wife. And although he is excused, accused falsely, and thrown into prison, God enlarges in his influence, and he is placed in charge of the entire prison. Then God delivers Joseph from the prison and enlarges his influence once again. He is placed in charge of Pharaoh's palace and given rule over the land of Egypt. Under his leadership, Egypt prospers. What is happening? God is giving Joseph deliverance and enlargement. But it doesn't stop, stop there. Just wait one second, because God just keeps increasing uh, Joseph's influence. Joseph's wisdom and discernment, through that, God delivers Egypt from terrible famine, and Egypt becomes the breadbasket of the entire world. Joseph's influence is enlarged once again, and this time he goes global, because the entire world came to Egypt at that time for bread. And notice the progression, delivered from a pit of death, and enlarged to manage the household of a high-ranking official, delivered from temptation and enlarged to manage a large government penal institution, delivered from prison and enlarged to influence a king, a palace, and a nation, delivered from famine and enlarged to influence the known world, deliverance and enlargement. So how does Joseph explain it all? Does he see God's sovereign work of grace? in this dual ministry of deliverance and enlargement? Resoundingly, yes. When he reveals his identity to his brothers who have come down to Egypt to buy grain, here is how Joseph explains the events of his life. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. There's the deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, enlargement, and lord of his household, enlargement, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt, enlargement. That's found in Genesis 45, 7 through 8. So shall I go on? I mean, this program that God has, deliverance and enlargement, is seen throughout the entire Bible. Uh, take the life of David, for example. He's a shepherd boy whose influence extends to a few sheep in the hill country of Bethlehem. Yet because David trusts in God's faithful deliverance, he experiences enlargement throughout his entire life. Look at how it begins. David faces a lion and a bear in hand-to-hand combat, and he wins. As a result, his influence is enlarged, and he faces a giant of a man, Goliath. When King Saul asked David how on earth he thinks he can go up against Goliath, David's simple response is, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's 1 Samuel 17, 37. So again, deliverance and enlargement. In his lifetime, David is delivered from a lion, a bear, a giant warrior, a jealous king, and a son who betrays him. Each deliverance, each trial brings greater influence and enlargement. 
He becomes king over all of Israel and ultimately influences all of human history. Does David discern what God is doing? Does he see God's sovereign program of deliverance that leads to enlargement? Listen to the words of one of his psalms. Hear me when I call, O God, my righteousness. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. What's David saying? I was going through a great trial, but not only did God deliver me, he expanded my borders. He enlarged me when I was in distress. Another passage in Psalm 18, 36 through 37. You enlarged my path under me. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. So we see that all through the Bible, God's program of deliverance and enlargement. And so whatever trial you're going through right now, just remember that it is not God's will for you to stay in this trial. It's temporary. And you know, my favorite verse in the Bible is, and it came to pass. Whatever you're going through right now, it will come to pass. And through this trial, God is going to expand you and enlarge your life. And a quick glance at Israel's modern-day history proves out this program of deliverance and enlargement. Beginning with its War of Independence in 1948, confirms that God's program of deliverance and enlargement is still in progress. Each time Israel's been attacked, its army has been severely outnumbered and outgunned. Yet in each major war, not only has Israel been delivered, but its landmass has been enlarged by thousands and thousands of square miles. When Israel was established as a nation, it consisted of 3,000 square miles. After the War of Independence in 1948, its borders more than doubled in size to 8,000 square miles. After the 1967 Six-Day War, Israel's land increased to 26,000 square miles. And after the 1973 Yom Kippur War, it increased to 36,000 square miles. When the state of Israel was established uh, about 75 years ago, there were fewer than 1 million Jews living in the land. Today, there is about 7 million Jews living in the land. Deliverance and enlargement. So it's vital as children of God that we recognize that our trials are only temporary. So are you in a difficult season? Take heart. It's bound to change. As we proclaim at Purim, the opposite is going to happen. You will not be stuck in a tough spot forever. It's come to pass. Prepare now for the enlargement of your influence. Deliverance and enlargement are on the rise on your behalf. If you have fallen, you will rise again. Maybe you're in Joseph's pit of despair. It's okay. We've all been there, done that. We've gotten the t-shirt of those pits of despair. Start crawling up the sides if you have to. And as long as you are in there, don't live your life in the rearview mirror, thinking, man, if I hadn't done this or that, I wouldn't have ended up in this situation. You can't change your past. Prepare now in today's pit for tomorrow's promotion. It is coming. You can be sure of it. Mordecai was in the book of Esther. He said, deliverance and enlargement is on its way. Even though we're faced with total annihilation, the opposite is going to happen. God's going to deliver us and enlarge us out of this trial. So I'm going to proclaim that over you today, that as we celebrate this wonderful feast of Purim, the state of Israel is going to be here, even though Iran goes nuclear. The Jewish people are going to exist. And you, my friend, you're going to exist. 
God's going to deliver you and enlarge you out of the pit of despair. So proclaim it today, this Purim season. The opposite will happen in my life. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Israel and You.